Hi, I'm Sarah Bailey, Director at Graham Consulting. Thanks for tuning into my podcast. I typically talk to business leaders, lots of accountants, about topics within the workplace. I hope you enjoy. Hi, today I'm joined by a good friend of mine, Sarah Percy. And I've tied it in with our Voices of Hope campaign that we're doing at Graham Consulting over a couple of months. I'll start again. Doesn't need to stop. Hang on. Hi, today I'm joined on my podcast by Sarah Percy. Sarah's a dietitian and we're going to tie it in with a campaign that we're doing at Graham Consulting with Voices of Hope at the moment. So we're going to talk a bit about food, nutrition, and your mood. So effectively, bringing, tying it all in and talking about the two and how they co-relate. And Sarah's got a couple of, of good good areas she wants to zone in on, but I think I'll take it over to Sarah now and you can sort of introduce yourself, Sarah. Hi, thanks, Sarah. Great to be here today. Yeah, my name's Sarah Percy. I am a registered dietitian and I've been working as a dietitian for <clears throat> just over 20 years now. Um, I started off in healthcare and hospitals, so the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff, really helping people who were already sick. But in the last few years, I joined forces with uh, a good friend, Sarah Donaldson, who's a clinical psychologist, and we created our own health and wellbeing business called T Health and Wellbeing. So T is spelled T-E-A, and it stands for Think, Eat, Act. And it's really just the combination of our skills in nutrition and psychology, where we help um, individuals and workplaces and groups with their well-being. Yeah, super interesting work. And Siri, so you've ended up obviously going more into the yeah the, the well-being side of food, and obviously with your business partner, Sarah, um, yeah. with her background in, in psychology. And we've had chats between the, the two of us over time too about how it all ties into mental health, which is obviously a big issue. At, at, the, yeah. at the moment and, and will be for some time you know it's just nice to talk about really and, and what else we can do to to help ourselves so in terms of yeah food and your mood where would you start Sarah? Well I guess I got into it by working with a clinical psychologist and just seeing how our our skills really complemented each other. But also in the last probably five to 10 years, there's been a huge amount of research into nutrition and mental health. And before this, there just wasn't a whole lot of evidence to really connect the two. It seemed like what we were eating would really affect our mental health, but there wasn't a lot of really good science behind it. But in the last few years, it's just come along at such a pace and we're really seeing some good, true evidence out there to suggest that there is a real big link. And I think, with nutrition, it's quite an easily modifiable thing that we can do to improve our health. You know, mental health could be caused by so many different things that can be really hard to change, but good nutrition can start today just by making a few little simple tweaks. So it doesn't have to be a really big overhaul. It can just be right. something small. Yeah, it nice. can make a big difference. And one area we were talking about was gut health and how, and how that all, all ties in. Should we talk a bit more about that, Sarah? Yeah, I, I love the topic of gut health. In fact, I do um, whole workshops on it that take about an hour and a half and we talk about gut health and we make some kimchi or fermented food to really understand, you know, how we can improve and nurture our gut biome. So, you know, when we're talking about gut health, we're talking about the trillions of microbes that live in our gut and a, a lot of them have been um, bacteria. And we often think of bacteria as bad, 
but our gut biome is full of beneficial bacteria that we know affect so many different areas of our health and well-being. So the health of our gut biome has been linked to our mood and depression. It's been linked to immune function and weight and blood sugar levels and inflammation and so many different things. Wow. And we know that in the last few years, our gut biome health has really deteriorated. And so we're starting to sort of see a connection really, particularly with the gut brain access as to how these microbes are impacting on our mood. So a lot of the studies um, have actually been done in mice <laughs> and they've wow. looked at mice and they've had happy mice in a cage that have been given gut microbes from a depressed human and that mouse has become depressed. And you might think, what does a depressed mouse look like? And so a depressed mouse sort of cowers at the back of the cage and it loses interest in its food and its water. And so there's oh. been this amazing link where this poor little mouse has become depressed because of the microbes from the depressed human. But then equally, wow. we've had depressed mice that have been given gut microbes from a healthy, happy human, and that depressed mouse's depression has, has lifted, it's improved. So we're getting some really interesting science, just how strongly our gut biome can affect our mental health. Um, and although wow. it's still early days, and obviously a lot of the studies are in mice, we're starting to get a really big picture of how perhaps improving our gut biome can make a really big difference to our mental health and our physical health as well. Gosh, that, yeah, that's fascinating. So, so for, for the everyday person and, and you know, the likes of myself, who's not yeah. reading about gut health you know, every other day, and, and we just wanted to think about some ways that we could incorporate this a bit more in our day-to-day, week-to-week. And yeah. the flow-on effect. Yeah, let's let's talk a bit about a bit about that. Cool. So, if we want to improve our gut health, there's lots of different ways we can do this. But if we're going to focus on nutrition, one of the best ways we can improve our gut health is through having a huge variety of foods, and particularly a huge variety of plant foods. Mm -hmm. So we know that the people on the planet with the best gut health are actually a hunter-gatherer tribe in, in Africa called the Hudson tribe. And when they've actually looked at their gut biome, they've found that they've got the most diverse sort of healthy, happy bacteria in terms of everyone on the planet. And when they've looked at this Hudson tribe, they find that on average, they consume 600 different types of foods over a year. So a huge variety of pigeon, porcupine, roots, berries, leaves, all sorts of things. Guess how many different foods the average American consumes over a year? So we're talking things like wheat, corn, soy. How many different foods do you reckon they would consume in, in a year? Oh, gosh. Way, way less. I hate to think. Is it, it what is it, like 20 or 30? Yeah. Well, you nailed it, Sarah. 30. <laughs> So we didn't we not, didn't pre-rehearse that either, did we, Sarah? No, we didn't. You did a job. <laughs> so that's no criticism to Americans. It's just what the data is showing, though, that they just often have a very narrow range of foods. And what we know is if we have a range of only a narrow range of foods, we only have quite a narrow range of gut bacteria in our microbiome. So we really want to improve and increase the diversity so that we get really good health. Right. So, so can you just explain that a bit further? So if someone's thinking, right, I need more variety in my diet, it's going to help my gut health. 
yeah. and it'll help my it'll help my mental health long, long term too obviously which we'll get to in a minute so so having the variety inside inside you inside inside your gut just means that your gut's working is it the meaning your gut's working across the board more or how what do you yeah you different the different gut bacteria so there's lots of different species and they mm -hmm. all like eating different foods so if we want a really diverse gut biome a bit like a diverse rainforest with lots of different species we need to feed those bacteria lots of different foods so the the research suggests that on average over a week we need at least 30 different plant foods to create oh. that healthy gut biome so it sounds like quite a lot um, but that's different fruits, veggies, grains, nuts, seeds, legumes. It's all sorts of different plant foods, not just veggies. Yep. Um, so <laughs> one little quick hack that I often recommend to my clients is next time you're at the supermarket or health food shop or bulk bin, buy 10 little packets of nuts and seeds. So maybe buy pumpkin, sesame, sunflower, chia and flax seeds and buy peanuts, almonds, cashews, brazil nuts and hazelnuts. Open them up at home and tip them all into a big container, give it a good shake around and then sprinkle that on your breakfast cereal or on a salad or on some Greek yogurt or my favourite is to get a, a cake of dark chocolate like a really nice Whitaker's perhaps and melt it down spread it out really thinly on some greaseproof paper and sprinkle that nut and seed mix over the top. That's Press it treat for the week. <laughs> yeah, let it nice. set and snap it off. And that can be a great little sort of mid-afternoon pick-me-up, a little bit of nut and seed dark chocolate bark. And just when you eat that, you're already, already nailing 10 different plant foods, you know, within that snack. So there's definitely right. some sort of quick and easy ways that we can aim to get towards those 30 plus plant foods that we should be aiming for. Um, it doesn't have to be too hard and tricky. So, you know, if you had that mix with you at the office and then you, you know, wanted um, some yogurt or something, you could just do a little sprinkle of that on top. And again, that's just gonna give you a bit of energy mid afternoon when we're feeling a bit tired, but it's gonna be really nourishing and it's gonna be great for our gut biome. Yeah, that's cool. I like I like that. I might make that for the office next week. Yeah, it's <laughs> in, really good. And yeah, and that's good. That's practical too. So yeah, I like I like that. If we're thinking fruit and veggie, so you're thinking because a lot of people, I do this myself. I probably eat the same fruit and veggie and some of it year, year round, which is probably not not the best thing to to do. I guess seasonal. But if you're again, if you're being seasonal, and I think you and I spoke about this before as well. If you're being a bit more seasonal with what you eat, then all of a sudden you're getting more into your your variety yeah. is increasing throughout the seasons throughout the year, isn't it? Absolutely. And like if you're going to the supermarket, you know, rather than just buying mandarins, maybe buy smaller amounts of four or five different fruits. So therefore mm. you're getting that variety in quite easily. Um, and yep. say you have porridge every morning for breakfast, look at ways you can increase the variety, like the nut and seed mix, or maybe you could pop some different fruits in there. Just little mm. ways to get lots of those plant foods in. Basically, the more plant foods we can get in over a week, the more healthier our gut biome will be, and therefore, the healthier it is for our mental health and our physical health. So it starts sort of right back when we're at the supermarket choosing what, what to eat. 
And it doesn't need to be expensive. You know, it doesn't need to be goji berries and spirulina. It can just be really low cost, but seasonal fresh fruit, veggies, grains, nuts and seeds. Um, and that's and doesn't, what Yeah, and doesn't need to be to be complicated. So let's say we're starting, it's a work day, okay? You've woken up, you know, it's going to be a tough day. You're not in a great mood. Thinking, how am I going to get through? I've got a couple of meetings to get through. I've got some stuff to do with my with my team, and you know, I've got to go off site to here, and it's going to be a really busy day. And I'm also I'm a bit tired. Um, got a few things going on outside of work. Goodness, yeah. what 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 could someone? What are some good hacks, good tips, Sarah, that someone could do to get their day started off right? We all know, you know, obviously starting with breakfast is a good thing, but. You know, we're talking like a busy person, a lot going on, not in a great mood. What, and let's take someone perhaps even through through a day that could just help them, just to, even if it's just going to help take them up ten percent from where they where they started. Yeah. Ideally, ideally a lot more than that. But yeah, what what could be some good tips there? Well, you know, I'd start the day before. I'd start that night before the day and make yeah. up really nourishing, you know, overnight oats, butcher muesli, or a chia pudding. Or, you know, get your avo and your bread sort of ready so that you can just grab something quite easily. But if we've made it ahead of time, then that's going to be even quicker. We can really do a bit of a grab and go if we need mm. to. We can really give it the time and energy the night before often. If we're rushed in the morning, we might not sort of have that same mindset. But if we start the night before, you know, throw on those extra nuts and seeds, throw on some frozen berries, some oats, a really nice Greek yoga, and you've got a really nourishing breakfast that's balanced with protein, carbs, and fat, but full of those plant foods that are going to help your gut biome, but really see you through the day. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'd also just plan a bit ahead, whereas, you know, if you have things like some bliss balls, or you make that dark chocolate bark, or you have some little tins of tuna or salmon and some veggie sticks, with you at work in the in the fridge or if you don't need a fridge for you know tin tuna you could have that in your in your desk but it's really being prepared and planning ahead because I think if we leave it to chance it can be a little bit trickier to make it happen so yeah if mm. you can just put a little bit of time in ahead of time and it will actually pay dividends um, later on when you're really busy. Yeah, totally. And just just little things like if you've got a really busy day, busy work day things aren't things aren't great having knowing you've got your lunch ready knowing you're not going to just duck over the road at two o'clock to go and get a curry um <laughs> to get to get you through the final three hours having that having that meal ready but also it's about not getting to that point in your day when you're so hungry which I often do at two or three o'clock and you've got nothing so then you go and buy something that's probably not the best choice but let's talk to some people about what would be what are, what's a, what what are, why why they aren't good choices and why you might end up feeling the way you do at five o'clock the same you felt at eight o'clock in the morning when you knew it was going to be a tough day you're exhausted and perhaps you know your mental health has been playing on you even more and all of all of yeah. a sudden you just you're completely fried and you go home and you sort of might end up doing it all, all again the next day what are some tips there we could we could talk to people about just in terms of yeah what might be better to what might be better to go and grab or, or, or ideally take to work with you? <laughs> yeah, well, I guess the big thing too with that mid-afternoon slump is it's just our natural circadian rhythm, just kind of everything's feeling a bit tired. So it's actually part of being a human 
that we do experience that little slump in the mid-afternoon and probably in an ideal world we'd all have a little siesta at that point but obviously <laughs> life's not European <laughs> yeah yeah but if we um if we really have a good nourishing lunch that mm. can often see us through the afternoon a lot better and a good nourishing lunch generally includes some protein foods and some healthy fats so protein is going to be things like meat, fish, chicken, eggs, legumes, and also dairy products. And then healthy fats are your nuts, your seeds, your avocado, your olives. And the reason that we want to eat the protein and the healthy fats is they delay gastric emptying. So what that means is they keep food in your stomach for longer. So you feel satisfied for longer. And then when you do eventually digest that meal, you do it quite slowly. So your blood sugars go on a really nice, even level. If you're trying to be really healthy and maybe just have sort of a veggie salad and there's not really that protein or those healthy fats, you're going to find that you're not going to be as satisfied for as long and you're going to kind of get blood, low blood sugar levels later on in the afternoon. And that's when people often reach for that you know, energy drink or chocolate bar or something just to give them that little bit of oomph to get through the day. So if we focus on including some protein and healthy fats as part of our lunch, that should get us through the afternoon better. Mm. But also just be mindful. Now, if you always find yourself starving at three and feeling really tired and lethargic, maybe it's sort of two, two thirty. that would be a really good time to have one of the snacks I mentioned before, like maybe the chocolate bark, maybe the bliss balls, maybe some hummus with veggie sticks or crackers. Um, there's lots of things that we can have, but if we can try and preempt that slump, we can actually stay on top of it and stay energized more through to yes. for dinner. That's yeah, that's a really good tip actually. And the, the um, girls in here have a lot of the hummus and, and veggie sticks. But I see them and I've probably trained their, their mind to have them before you're craving the sugar. Because otherwise, because otherwise, if you're absolutely craving, your blood sugar's gone down. You still have a few hours a day to go. You're definitely not going to dive into the fridge and grab that hummus and sticks. It's about enjoyment too with life. Like I'm not saying we're just going to chomp on celery sticks and carrots all the time. Like sometimes we just really want that chocolate bar or whatever and that's cool. You know, like it's not, yeah. I don't think we want to be, you know, labelling foods as, you know, bad or feeling like yeah. we can't ever have things because then we want them more than ever. But if most of the time we're aiming to eat well, then, you know, the odd takeaway or curry or whatever is absolutely fine. It's, it's just a fine. Food become reliant yeah. on I think the other thing too with gut health um, that's really interesting is um, a lot of people quite like the idea of this ketogenic diet you know where it's really high fat low carbohydrates and actually the ketogenic diet can be really low in plant foods if people are like choosing bacon and cream and and whatnot to try and achieve this weight loss and so the ketogenic diet's actually been shown to be not very good for our gut biome. So we do need to be actually really careful about what fads we might be trialing mm. or what the different diets we might be doing. Because if we're just doing something really restrictive to lose a couple of kilos, but in the long term, it's really impacting our gut health, our mood and our physical health, then we probably just want to question whether that's actually such a good idea. Um, yeah. yeah and and then it, then it 
yeah, then it does sort of play on the mind of it once you've lost, you know, you might go and lose a couple of kgs, but then you really want, crave some other foods, you might get back to that. You just slip back yeah. to that normal eating. But you, and that's probably another whole topic that I know you and I have discussed um, fads, yeah. <laughs> fads yeah. before. Um, there was another area that Sarah and I were going to talk about today in the study that Sarah um, has mentioned to me before, which is really, really interesting. Um, so we might touch on that as, as well, Sarah, if we've got time. Yeah, I'd love to. So um, obviously, you know, at my business, Tea Health and Wellbeing, we're really interested in, in nutrition and mental health. And we discovered there's a faculty at Deakin University just out of Melbourne called the Food and Mood Centre. And it's full of psychologists. Oh, and it's actually cool, Food and Mood. Yeah. And they've got psychologists and dietitians that are actually doing amazing research into nutrition and mental health. So wow. we were meant to go to Melbourne last year to go to a conference <laughs> on this, but unfortunately poor old COVID um, put an end to that. But they've, got a, they've done a really cool study called the SMILES study, and it stands for Supporting the Modification of Lifestyles in Lowered Emotional States. But really it was just around looking at people who had diagnosed clinical depression that was quite moderate to severe, um, and they were put into two groups on this study. So one group visited a dietitian seven times over, over three months and got given dietary advice on healthy eating and lots of plant foods and legumes. It's kind of like a Mediterranean diet, um, but really practical. So they got given a slow cooker and recipes for soups that they could have at work and, and all sorts of things. The other group were what was called the control group. And it was really just a support group where the um, people in the study just saw someone who kind of checked in on them, and didn't give them any you know, advice per se, but just was a listening ear. And so they did this for 12 weeks. And I'll just mention too, it was an adjunctive therapy uh, research. So what that means is some of those people in the trial might've been on medication for depression. They might've been having counseling or therapy and all that continued. So the diet was on top of what they were already doing. You know, we're not suggesting you don't take meds and, and just eat certain foods. So they continued with what they were already doing, but either had dietary advice or sort of social support advice. And at the end of the study, the people uh, that had the social support, 8% went into remission. So that was as well wow. as medication therapy. But the diet group, 34% went into remission mm. with their depression. So it was like four times the number. And the only thing that was different was that they'd been given this dietary advice on plant foods, healthy eating, a little bit of meat, a little bit of dairy, and what was also really amazing with it is the diet group spent less on groceries compared to the support mm. group. So it wasn't about being expensive or, um, you know, really difficult or anything. It was a really great study that just showed how much diet can improve someone's mental well-being on top of what they're already doing. So that was a, a really cool study and it's really sort of, I guess, paved the way for more research in this area to look at just how food can affect mood. So this study was with people who were depressed. So I guess it's a bit of a reactive study, whereas gut health is looking at people who might be well and we're trying to prevent them from becoming unwell. So they're sort of 
proactive and reactive, but I think together they share a really similar message, you know, that it's mm. whole foods, it's lots of plant foods, it's not expensive, um, but it's really around getting that, that good variety in um, as well. So yeah. at the Food and Food Centre, the lady, um, Professor Jack, is the sort of person that oversees everything, and she's amazing. And she also did another study looking at anxiety levels in women and actually mm. found that people who had what we would have thought a really healthy diet, no meat products, but lots of fruits and veggies and legumes and nuts and seeds, those people actually had higher anxiety levels than women that ate a little bit of meat. So it was a really interesting study. It was what we call a U-shaped curve. And so it showed that people who had no meat or people who had lots of meat had higher anxiety levels than females that just had moderate amounts, maybe two to three red meat servings a week. So I think that's another really interesting consideration as people are going more plant-based or teenage girls perhaps thinking that it's quite cool to to cut out meat and be vegetarian, that we might actually be creating an environment where anxiety could be more of a problem. So yeah, this um, Professor Jack is doing all sorts of research in food and mood at Deakin University. So it's, yeah, really cool area. Oh, that's fascinating. And just that they've actually got, it's actually they're calling it, you know, putting so much into it and calling it food and mood. I mean, that just, that counts for a lot. Yeah. That's, that's um, fascinating. And it's yeah, all evidence-based, you know, so it's all, it's science people that are very well qualified in their different fields, mm. and they're looking at it, you know, purely on a scientific way, not just, oh, you know, my friend's neighbours tried turmeric and she looks great, so I'll have it too, you know, like it's really um, looking at the good research behind it, which is cool. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah. So much, so much to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> so, much, so much more we could talk about. I guess what we should try and do now, Sarah, is wrap up with some some good hacks. So people that are sitting um, or getting ready for their working day or working working week, they know it's going to be busy. They have other stuff going on in their lives as well. They're a bit possibly a bit thinking, oh gosh, my mental health. I've got to look after it. How can food help me? It's not going to. It's not going to cure it, but it can definitely help. From what we've discussed, with some really strong yeah. evidence. What are some good tips we could give away to people today? Yeah. Perhaps if we could we name, should we say two or three? Or yeah. So I, mm. my first thing, like I mentioned before, is it's all about preparation and planning ahead. So yes. get out a piece of paper and write down some things you want to get at the supermarket that are perhaps going to fuel you or plant-based so we've talked a little bit about nuts and seeds fruits and veggies uh, legumes like hummus um, but also some nice healthy proteins that are going to really see us through the day so whether it's little tins of tuna or salmon maybe it's cooking some hard-boiled eggs so they can be popped into a salad to provide a little bit more nourishment if we plan ahead and prepare and get things in our pantry and in our desk at work, we're much more likely to choose those foods uh, when it's time to eat rather than just leaving it to chance and trying not to whip across the road to grab something easy mm -hmm. every day. So yeah, definitely planning ahead can be a really mm -hmm. good option. 
The other thing I'd say is just get as much variety into your day and your week as you can, like without it being an extra stressor. But if you can buy the little packets of nuts and seeds or have a good range of fruits and veggies at home, um, maybe use things like my food bag or HelloFresh, which might get you out of a cooking rut to try some new recipes or even looking in some recipe books or online just seeing if you can introduce even two to three new foods each week that you might not normally buy. So even if it's a grain like farra or millet or amaranth, you know, rather than always relying on the sort of potatoes, rice and pasta, if we can choose some new different things, that's gonna really benefit our gut health, um, which in, in turn really affects our mood. And you know, some of those mm. things are really easy now. You can get the little, um, brown rice and quinoa cups that are kind of almost pre-done and you can just heat them in the microwave so it's not always about having to do things that are hard or expensive we can find the easy ways to do them but if we're just a little bit more aware of how our nutrition can affect our mood and trying to make some little changes every day that that are going to be positive for us it's going to make a real difference over the long term. Mm, definitely and and I like to I'm going to add one in uh, what you were saying earlier about when the fad thing or, or just getting too worried about what you are eating as well because yeah. then that can lead to anxiety which can obviously then lead to you know harming your, your mental health so so doing doing what you, you, you're talking about and, and trying to do as much of all of that as you can but also not getting too too worried if you haven't got your your chocolate bark one day you're just going to go and grab a chocolate bar yeah. before you go to that meeting or just having a lunch out that's upset the apple cart oh gosh I haven't had my you know four healthy lunches this week it still doesn't matter as long as you're doing as much as you can I don't think we need to overthink things I think sometimes yeah. we can read articles or we think you know some things are really going to be bad or some things are going to be magic and really yes. food doesn't have that power it's generally what we do most days and it's absolutely fine to have, you know, the takeaways or the chocolate bars or whatever it is that you enjoy occasionally. We just want to yeah. be making sure it's not happening all the time. But yeah, let's not let's not stress about it too much. Let's keep it pretty basic, I think. Um, yeah. And we know the healthiest people on the planet eat a Mediterranean type diet, which is nothing super special. It's just lots of those plant foods and a little bit of meat and a little bit of dairy. And just trying to eat seasonally and, and not have too much in the way of processed or convenience foods. But it's just doing as much as we can without overthinking it. Because I think that is a real mental health problem as well. There's actually a, a condition called orthorexia nervosa. You know, you've probably heard of anorexia nervosa or bulimia nervosa. And orthorexia nervosa is a mental health condition where people have disordered eating because they're so worried about not eating perfectly clean. And they end up, you know, narrowing their food choices so much because of a fear of, of not doing the right thing. And it actually impacts their life and relationships and work. So, yeah, we definitely don't want to become too fixated on things. We want to enjoy it and, and have food as a celebration and just make good choices most of the time. Yeah, I like that. Most of the time, but still, still enjoy yourself as well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Ah. Uh, Super interesting. Thanks so much, Sarah. Hopefully there's some tips in there for people. Tie it all into okay, the workplace and, and mental health and what can help you perhaps get through your day better some days.
um, more plenty more to talk about, but that's probably all we've got time for now. But thanks for coming on to my podcast here. Oh, thank you for having me, Sarah. It's been lovely. I feel like I've chit-chatted the whole time. <laughs> oh, you've, you've got so much more to, to chat about. We might have to do another one one day. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Thank you. Brilliant. Thanks so much. Great. See you. See you.